up, everyone? This is Must Go Faster, a pop culture podcast for the people. I'm your co-host, Ben Brantlinger, broadcasting from Brooklyn. And out in Long Beach, California, reflecting on my 20s, I'm Robert Denfeld. Oh, yeah. Rob just turned through. Was that yesterday? It's a big milestone, yeah. Well, it was was Tuesday, March 27th. I turned 30. Right, right, right. I'm in my 30s, officially. You sound you sound like your third. I don't know. There's like a <laughs> right. certain just a weight that you're. I think voice it's is the carrying. throaty the throaty grumble in my voice. <laughs> right, right, right. It's been it's been a while, Rob. We uh, took a little bit of a hiatus. We were both been very busy throughout the month month of March. Yeah. Uh, we have seen each other during these times. And we, we have seen each other again for a wedding of our our mutual our mutual boy Kyle. Shout out to Kyle if he's listening. Um, Love you, man. So <laughs> it has been. I will say. You know, it's been a little over a month since we did a pod. Uh-huh. It has been a bit of a quiet time on the culture front, yeah. nationally speaking. You know, there was the Winter Olympics, March Madness basketball, which I know we're both into. Right. You know, February, March is usually a dead time for movies and TV. There yeah. hasn't been any kind of mind-blowing music releases yet. Some, you know, a lot of great songs and some good albums, but nothing that demanded me texting you being like we're doing a pot on this album immediately <laughs> yeah right having said that I, you know i, I want to say there is stuff to talk about that's no, there's always good new stuff coming out yeah absolutely <clears throat> and we're doing a culture catch-up as we like to call it yes. so it's basically going to be a few minutes on a bunch of things that we've been consuming over the past month or so we did an episode like this back in the fall we're excited to do it again uh there won't be much music talk per se on this episode mm-hmm. it'll be mainly uh tv and movies but, um, you know, we'll be sure to continue, you know, the music chatter in, yeah. in episodes coming up. So let's let's jump right into it and start with the new HBO series, Barry. Buddy. Barry. Buddy. Barry. 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 Buddy. Barry. Barry. Who are you? So this is the new 30-minute dramedy on HBO. Uh-huh. And I'm all in on okay. Barry. I actually, nice. it just premiered. Um, yeah. Depending on when we release this, there may be two episodes out. We're just going to refer to the premiere here. Yeah. I actually watched the premi- the pilot twice, which oh, I really? nice. hardly ever do. I, yeah. I don't know. I just felt compelled enough. It's only 30 minutes, and I just, yeah. and, and just kind of preparing for this episode, uh-huh. there was just uh, a lot to digest there that I really loved. And this. I've only uh, seen it sh- once, but I, I did grasp Sure, yeah, it. you're not on my very level, but <laughs> yeah. it did make... So I was at South by Southwest uh, for a week, not to yeah. humble brag or whatever, but sure. I I noticed that the show did have a, a splash at South by, for example. It did, the, the, and Bill Hader was there. Yeah, yeah, did a did a podcast with her boy, Bill Simmons. Um, uh-huh. The Like, my hotel key card, for example, was Barry Brand. Oh, really? Nice. Uh, nice. And, you know, they had a bunch of other, like, hey, free advertising space. Stuff. Totally. Well, I'm sure so not free. But this, yeah, no, they, not, <laughs> they paid for that. Free. Yeah, that was ninety thousand dollars <laughs> right. HBO's budget. Um, so this is created by Bill Hader, and kind of just the summary of the plot line. It's a hitman played by Hader. He's from the Midwest. He moves to L.A. and g- gets caught up in the city's theater art scenes. Uh-huh. So Hader has had a very interesting career so far. Obviously, we all know him from SNL. Kind of a consensus yeah. top five, top ten SNL character of all time, I would yeah. say. One of the best, one of the most memorable, and, mm-hmm. and some of his characters are the most unique and talked yeah, about Stephane, characters. Obviously, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. 
And, uh, you know, he's been in plenty of well-known comedies, you know, super bad, et cetera. And he's actually, mm-hmm. he's done some drama. For example, I don't know if you've seen the Skeleton Twins. No, um, I've heard, I've heard people refer to that just, yeah. uh, you know, comparing it to this role, but I have not seen that. Apparently that was the movie that kind of sparked HBO's interest in that, like, right. oh, Hader can do much more than comedy. And he's yeah, really, he can, really he can good. pull off this character. I remember watching Skeleton Twins a few years ago when it came out and thinking, like, Hader could, I know we're obsessed with the Oscars, but like he could win an Oscar someday. You know, like I could just see a universe where that happens. So, oh yeah, the premiere, great actor. As I mentioned, I watched it twice, and Hater, he's a well-known kind of cinephile. Like if you hear mm-hmm. him in interviews, and he is, yeah. Um, I've heard you mention like you know Taxi Driver comes to mind with the like this uh-huh. antihero and kind of the mix of violence and, and really bleak comedy this has more humor than taxi driver more intentional humor (laughs) right well Um, in that interview with bill simmons he he mentioned that he kind of moved to la thinking he wanted to be a director um or more on the technical side of of movie making and it just kind of worked out that he got into comedic acting and it kind of you know pushed him off in that direction but now he's finally you know you know circled back to what he wanted to do initially which is direct and and yeah. star in this show so yeah it's cool yeah. cool to see his career like finally come to this this uh Stage, this yeah. arc yeah yeah and also i got a lot of coen brother vibes from that premiere in yeah. certain ways yeah which i uh, you and i i'm sure both thoroughly enjoyed <laughs> yeah and, you know with barry it's not you know it's comedic um there's not it doesn't strike you as kind of like a laugh out loud right show. it's However, a subtle dark comedy yeah there were a few moments in this premiere though where i lol'd um, sure really sure. good comedic timing both from hater and some of the side characters mm-hmm. henry um, winkler steven root sarah goldberg oh, yeah. some other some other of the uh leads in the show mm-hmm. and what i what really struck me about this premiere is the pilot does a great job of kind of making you feel compassion for Barry, you know, we learn that he was a former Iraq, you know, veteran from the Iraq war. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being a hitman is like very like movie world. Like, I don't know if hitmen yeah. really exist in, this, in, <laughs> I know, in, in I know. real life. I was thinking that during the episode. <laughs> you can understand just given the way you know, he's like, it's a job. And, you know, the people I, I'm, you know, murdering, you know, they're, they're awful right. people. And I, I like I just needed like something to do. And, you know, he's obviously been damage from you know his experience in, in iraq and it just kind of like helps you yeah feel compassion and, and understand mm-hmm. where he's coming from and you just kind of like in a, within 30 minutes you really just kind of like uh you know feel for the character and, and yeah it, it just really made made it more impactful for me and he's given a great performance and i, I wanted to say it it seems to be uh, going forward it's going to be a very la centric show and, and yeah you know, sort of focus on these like small-time actors living in the valley and you know doing acting classes yeah with henry Henry winkler as their acting coach which is just funny just you know saying that out loud and um i think it's going to be an interesting and sort of delicate balance between the comedy elements and the sort of the realistic uh hitman drama aspect of the show violence yeah, yeah and violence and just trying to weigh the the balance of the dark humor and and actually make it a compelling you know drama at the same time so Mm -hmm. i'm i'm hoping that it works out i'm i'm intrigued by the the uh premiere and you're the pilot i guess which was actually filmed in 2016 and then they Mm. they kind of had a hiatus and didn't film the rest of the episodes until last year 2017 so 
I, I'm curious to see if I can notice any like you know jumps in haircuts hair. or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, we'll see yeah. in in on Sunday in the second episode. But yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by the the pilot, and I'll definitely keep watching. And it's you know highly entertaining. I would say after after the first episode. So we'll see yeah. where it goes. Yeah, like just a few more points on it. Um, in that premiere episode, I thought the parking lot scene, like that monologue that Hader gave to, yeah, to Winkler, where right. he describes his background and kind of why he's in the situation that he's in. That was a good moment. Just really, like just looking at Hader's face and just the way he handled that, I was like, man, this guy can really act. And yeah, he's got I some noticed shots. too in rewatching it, um, you know, he wears this kind of frown at all mm-hmm. times. Like his, mm-hmm. his, his, he's like literally like frowning almost. Like that's like his his normal state yeah, in the show. Yeah, his resting a, face. But it makes it, you know, it's convincing, and there are times where he kind of cracks a smile and gets, right. you know, this this jolt of, like, a new life when he sees people, you know, embracing acting, and he's like, oh, I don't need yeah. to be doing this anymore. Yeah, you can and, see it in his eyes, you know, mm-hmm. the the charm and sort of like, oh, wow, this is a, a new new revelation and opportunity for me or something. Mm-hmm. And I thought, um, you know, some of the shots were really well thought out. I think this goes back to uh, Hater being just, really into film and probably yeah. cinematography. There were a lot yeah. of close-ups on faces. I noticed like a lot of shots like below the vantage point of like a face. So you're kind of like looking up. Uh-huh. It kind of reminded uh-huh. me of, of Cohen that, that kind of reminded yeah. me of like a Cohen brothers film as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some, just beat for Roger beat. Deakins homages. Yeah. Right. Right. It's my boy. Just a really strong, solid premiere. It's uh-huh. I think, I believe an eight episode season and I can't wait for more. So yeah. that is uh, HBO's Barry. Uh, Rob, let's keep it in the HBO family and do some high maintenance. Yeah, so high maintenance is a, a show on HBO. It's another 30 minute comedy, just like Barry. Um and it just finished, it wrapped up its second season on, on HBO as an HBO televised series um, just this past Friday, March 23rd. Um, it was 10 episodes. The first season was six. Um, and this show actually started as a web series in 2012, um, all the way through, I think, 2015. And they did um, 19 web series episodes. I'm not sure where it initially aired, but um, in 2016, I think early 16, um, HBO bought the rights to the web series and put it on HBO Go and HBO Now so you could find, you know, and catch up on the entire web series, which I did. Um, so basically the show is created um, created and written and mostly directed by Ben Sinclair and uh, Katya Blitchfeld. Um, and they used to be a couple. I, I think they are no longer a couple, but or I know they are no longer a couple, but they still work together on this show. Um, ben Sinclair plays the lead, and his character is called the guy. They they he's this uh, nameless weed dealer who um, he basically bicycles around New York City and does home deliveries to his clients. And the show is basically focused around his interactions with his clients. And you know he goes up to their apartment and has this very like personal relationship with them. And and basically the show just shows like how his deliveries affect these people's lives like his basically um it's just intertwined stories and some some become very complex in their in their intricacies and how they intertwine with each other but it's very um it's a very unique storytelling um sort of trope and and a, a unique way to tell 
you know, multiple stories within one episode and he sort of ties them all together in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, I just love the show. It's, it's always features like really human moments and some, you know, some actually deeply heartfelt scenes and, and, you know, a lot of comedy, obviously there's, uh, isn't there an episode where it's shot from or like told from the perspective of like a dog, a dog. Yeah. Yeah, That was, I think it was in the first season or maybe it was one of the later web series episodes. I can't remember, but yeah, they, it's very experimental in that way. And they do just some very interesting shots and, you know, cool, uh, perspectives like the dog thing. But I find it to be sort of a love letter to New York City. So if you're not watching it, I think you really should. And I think if you live in New York, uh, people would really relate to it. And yeah. um, it just, it, it really highlights the people and, and the unique personalities that can be found in New York City. And um, mm-hmm. and just the, you know, intertwined stories and relationships, like I said, and just uh, very personal. And, and the show just has a lot of heart and... And Ben Sinclair, who plays the the lead, the guy, he he reminds me a lot of actually Kyle Colbenstetter, who we mentioned already on this episode. <laughs> Two shout outs. Um, right. He's just one of those guys that uh, you know people recognize his his goodness like and right away, and you can just yeah. tell he has a good heart and vibes. And, the good vibe just radiate off. Yeah, people yeah. like gravitate toward him. It, instantly and feel comfortable with him and that's exactly how our friend kyle is and so i was getting a lot of a lot of (laughs) i know i know uh i just kind of bike around and uh, people call me and and then i bring them weed yeah i've actually only seen this show in the web series format yeah and i will just a few things on that is they when it was like there's when it was a web series there were like five minute micro episodes yeah they really, the writing was very strong. The acting was good where mm-hmm. you were able to be invested in these characters, like just like within like a minute or I don't know, somehow totally. they were able, you were able to be invested. Yeah. It, it, they capture the essence of a person like instantly. Yeah. And you, you know, you're saying very, feeling very uh, real life to, mm-hmm. to New York and the outer boroughs and definitely as someone who's lived in New York for the last seven years, uh, you know, the personalities, as you mentioned, kind of like. The dimensions of apartments, like how totally. weird the sizes can be, and how yeah. like all it's like why is this room shaped this way, you right. know, and things like that. The conversations that you have, um, and yeah, just really funny, engaging, um, you know, good watch. It reminded me of Broad City a little bit. Mm. I remember when I yeah. was watching another um, New York series love letter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, definitely, and I, I would like to, I would like to watch. It in yeah, its and there's some great shots of the city and and just the cinematography of him bicycling around the city. I'm sure you'll recognize some locations, and mm-hmm. um, it's definitely definitely worth watching for anybody, and especially if you're a, a New York head like yourself. I am. So why so don't we move on to, to uh, another 30 minute comedy? This this one on I FX. Know, we're in a 30 minute block right yeah. now. So <laughs> this is Atlanta. FX presents Atlanta. So, I, I mean, this is the most critically acclaimed show across the board right now. It's yeah. kind of in this untouchable state where you uh-huh. can't even, 
it's just showered with praise right. in as it should be. Um, we could do a whole episode on Atlanta. I, <laughs> it's kind of weird that the first time we're talking about it on this podcast is kind of in a shorter form, but well, for the we sake did, of this episode, we did do a preview pod when we were practicing in 2000, yeah. late 2016. I believe we talked about season one, but then they took a year hiatus in 2017, mostly mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, creator showrunner, uh, Danny Glover was busy with films, but, uh, yeah, 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 continue. And, yeah, <laughs> Childish Gambino and everything. Right. And yeah, we did do a practice pod. That'll never see the light of day. If you Venmo <laughs> us like each 200 bucks, we'll maybe we'll send it to you. <laughs> yeah. So the best term I've heard to kind of describe this show and something I kind of go back to is elastic and just mm. how much it kind of bends genres and formats. And I feel like, you know, a lot of people, especially in this era of like Netflix and a million shows and people... You know, studio just kind of giving the keys to people that are creative and saying, do what you want with it. I feel right. like none of that is more true than what Donald Glover gets to do with, with Atlanta. Yeah. He has the ultimate creative freedom on this it's show. His brainchild. The performances he plays earn um, Paperboy, who's his cousin, aspiring rapper who has buzz in the Atlanta, Atlanta music scene, earn right. becomes kind of his, his manager, although that it's not a linear plot as anyone that's seen it can attest to right. it, it. That's kind of like secondary. Um, you know, there's uh Brian Tyree Henry, uh, or yeah, that's, that's, that's Paperboy. Paper yeah, yeah. Alfred. And then Keith Stanfield plays Darius. Who's yeah. going to have a big year. He's he going to get out. And, and then, um, I also want to shout out, um, Van, the female lead played yeah. by Z- Zazie Beats. I know it's a great name. Zazie. That Beats. was my that was my DJ name in college. Actually, yeah. if you don't remember, three um, Z's in a short name. Zazie Beats. I, yeah. That that's that's remarkable. <laughs> so the second season kicked off a few weeks ago, and really enjoyed the premiere, which is called Alligator Man, I believe. Yeah, Cat Williams. Cat I'm Williams. Sure we both <laughs> yeah. enjoyed he that cameo. Yeah, kind of unrecognizable a bit when you when you first saw him. True, but um, really good. I do want to say, so at this point, we've seen four episodes. Um, there'll probably be, you know, there'll be a, a fifth by the time you're listening to this, but we'll yeah. touch on the first four. The second and third, um, I will say, you know, said the show's untouchable. I'm going to I'm gonna slap it with a little bit of criticism right here sure. and say that, you know, the show, it knows it's extremely clever and it, it like mm-hmm. winks a lot. Like it's mm-hmm. almost like the second and third episode Breaking almost the fourth felt wall, like... Almost like a pure like satire and sure. at times i just kind of get a little impatient like just yeah. give me like conflict or real right. like, give me like something you know and, <laughs> like some sort of recognizable story arc but or yeah or, or just like some beat that's fami- i don't know right. i just think they're at some time they they kind of should balance that i mean i'm yeah. really only speaking to the second and third episode I don't but know. That's that, what that makes like, it so compelling. You, you, yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. unpredictable. You don't know what you're gonna get in that thirty minutes. Even if the first five minutes are one thing, it could take a shift, and then all of a sudden you're hmm. you're on this weird arc with one character. You know, uh, certain episodes you don't even see certain characters. I believe uh, the, oh, yeah, this yeah. most recent, the fourth episode, we only pretty much spend the whole episode with Urn and, and Van and we yeah, never yeah. see Darius or, or Paperboy mm-hmm. or this yeah. new character played by Chris Davis, Tracy, who on mm-hmm. <laughs> season two has been really funny so far. But yeah, I I mean, you're right that you, you kind of are left wanting some sort of normality at times, but it is kind of what makes the show special is that it's so elastic yeah. to use your term and um, kind it's of just... Full of the- uh, yeah, I was going to say, like, 
full of just un- the unexpected. Sure. Just things yeah. that are just like it's like full of just like curveballs and left turns right. and like you know I'm thinking of the premiere or when like the alleg the actual alligator <laughs> yeah. comes yeah. out of the door. It's like what? Like yeah. and the shootout in the very first scene of the premiere. Oh man. Where those yeah. two guys who have nothing to do, you know, they just kind of reminded me of The Wire in the sense I of know. like just taking some, you know, two characters that have never appeared and will never appear again, right. but like using it to kind of show a different side of the city or, you know, mm-hmm. different talking points. The show well, it's, is trying it's to Robin raise. season. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is a, a unique thing that, you know, I guess people in Atlanta would know. We cannot about. relate. <laughs> yeah. That, I, but you know, it's it's time I, to start it. making your money. And, and the first few episodes feature prominent robberies. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. You mentioned the fourth episode which I believe was called Helen. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was by far the best of the season. The writing was so good, so mm-hmm. real. I mean, the dialogue between Ern and Van kind of about their relationship. Yeah, I mean, so real. Jesus, there are a lot of people that can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. I, I almost felt uncomfortable watching I it because I was like, this is too, you know, you had those instances where you're like seeing, not that I, you know, I'm No, no, happy, you can relate. You know, but like the reflection. To, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and, um, yeah, I just, I really love that episode. Um, and just in general, the show, again, like, of course, we're going to mention the cinematography. Really love the way it's shot. The kind of, gra- I almost get the sense this is like shot on film. There's like, yeah, maybe graininess and like dark, like kind of a dark tone filter that gives sure. it like kind of this, I don't know. Gritty. I, I, and especially in the second season, yeah, gritty Almost feel. like true detective episodes where it's, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's mostly directed by Hiro Mirai, who, uh, mm-hmm. who, is obviously close with Donald Glover because he directed most of Childish Gambino's videos, and that's kind of mm-hmm. where he he started. But um, yeah, it, like I said, you kind of never know what you're in store for with an episode, and um, it it almost feels at times like the show, the 30 minutes or the you know 22 minute episode with commercials is kind of written all just for a few moments and and those memorable moments whether they be you know comedic uh you know very like memorable comedic moments or like deeply heartfelt emotional scenes it almost feels like the the storytelling is secondary as as much oh, yeah. as he's just trying to like capture feelings and moments in in life and yep. I think it's very successful in that way, and and there are some like really striking, strikingly deep, uh, impactful moments, and like you said, like that most people can relate to at times, and and like the third episode, I think it was, where they're at the strip club for most of the episode, and then mm-hmm. they run into uh, Michael Vick in the parking lot. Like, oh yeah, totally. I was kind <laughs> of not loving that episode. I wasn't really into it i mean it was it was fine but it was probably one of the weaker episodes of the series and and then that moment with michael vick happens at the end and it's like okay that was a laugh out loud amazing where they freeze they froze the frame yeah it's like it's so unique to it no show is doing things like that yeah right yeah as you said completely unique to it i also really like the use of rap music throughout the show both well-known and underground all very much Atlanta, like yeah. what they're playing. And Migos uh, cameoed on the first season. Oh, yeah, yeah. Paperboy, I, I would love to get like a full track of Paperboys. Like you just yeah. hear snippets throughout, and he sounds pretty decent. Pretty dope. Um, and his face, uh, 
I wanted to mention Brian Tyree Henry. His face kind of encapsulates the show and the tone of what they're going mm-hmm. for. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of like racial elements to the show and like commentary on society and things like that. But kind of just uh, Brian Tyree Henry's reactions to people and, and uh, you know, interactions with record labels and, you know, studio experiences and stuff. He kind of just captures what the show is kind of trying to trying to portray and that's that's my feeling in the sense i get Mm -hmm. but he's an amazing actor his face should win an award (laughs) (laughs) best face yeah (laughs) i do get the sense that atlanta when we end this decade and there's you know millions of what define the decade like this will be Mm -hmm. a top five defining show of this decade i believe that it's a show i'm constantly recommending to people and i'm like stunned that they like i i I I don't know i feel like this show is gigantic and like internet and in cultural and critical right, like circles, critically. but it's, yeah, this isn't big bang theory or something, no. but like, I don't know. Everyone should watch at least a few episodes of this because yeah. there's really nothing like it. On and TV. give it a few, give it a few. You kind of yeah. have to get used to it. You have to ease into the fact that, Oh, it's not going to be like this one storyline. And I'm, I'm not going to really see like the career of Paperboy, or no, no, we're no. not going to follow Lakeith Stanfield, Darius, like in one of his, hippie like he just his character is kind of this like hippie uh, out there uh says weird things constantly high and like you know just this interesting guy and uh right right. but you're never gonna get like some sort of regular episode that's like cookie cutter it's all it's always gonna be challenging in a way Mm -hmm. so do you want to cross the aisle over to our other favorite yeah tv provider uh, (laughs) hbo Oh, no, wait, we just talked HBO. Netflix, <laughs> Netflix. yeah, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> That's Let's right. do it. All right, so um, I wanted to talk about quickly this uh, four-episode Netflix miniseries um, called Collateral, and it was released on March 9th. And so I, I heard some interesting reviews and reactions to the show, so I wanted to check it out and give it a shot. And, you know, I figured four hours, why not? Might as well, mm-hmm. might as well try it. Um, it. It stars Carrie Mulligan, who plays Detective Inspector Kip Glasby in in London she's a London detective and um she's basically plays this young sharp uh confident detective and um she's investigating a murder of a pizza delivery guy and it it, that's how it begins and that's how it's established and it goes from there we learn about who this pizza delivery guy is and there's some you know he's not just any any old delivery boy he's he's got some backstory and you know there's a lot of political stuff with like the labor party in england and uh there's some stuff about drug addiction there's a the lesbian priest character in this show like there's there's a lot of things going on in a four-hour block and i wanted to dialogue heavy it is kind of like aaron i've heard like aaron sorkin yeah it it is it is it's definitely clearly like written you know that's that's the 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 major art here is the writing i i don't think anything technically you know filmmaking wise is is gonna blow you away there's Mm -hmm. i was i was kind of uh taken out of it at times with the shots and some of the cinematography was not very well done so i didn't love it in that way but the writing there's definitely a lot there and a lot to you know uh sort of wrap your head around and interesting character development and stuff but I wanted to like the show and I I just didn't quite it didn't quite deliver for me um mm. uh, not no pun intended with the pizza delivery boy <laughs> right. um 
I thought Carrie you Mulligan watched all four. Yeah, I did. Correct. I finished yeah, yeah. it. Um, I thought Carrie Mulligan was great. Uh, she she drove the show, and her performance was really captivating, uh, really nuanced and believable. But um, besides that, I mean, I, I liked uh, Jeannie Spark, who played this British Army captain, Sandrine Shaw. I thought she gave a really uh, deep emotional performance. But besides that, I, I wasn't really in love with any of the actors or performances. Um, mm. I thought the story became a little convoluted and a little too, like, uh, far-fetched and conveniently written at times, you know, where yeah. it's like, okay, that that was clearly, like, very convenient for that character to be in that scene or that moment. Right. You know, it's it doesn't yeah. seem realistic. Did it make you nostalgic for studying abroad in London together? Uh, actually, uh, the only thing that he... <laughs> Not at he, all. <laughs> no, it does. He, he walked over that bridge that's... Uh, I forget which one it is. That's really close to Parliament, the Parliament building, and the London yeah, Eye yeah. is off in the background. So that that was kind of, you know, brought home some nostalgic. I know we drove over that bridge a few times. Yeah, no, I, so I, I watched like the first 10, 15 minutes of this... And I, yeah, I mean, something that kind of struck me immediately, I mean, just in those 10 is like, it felt like a very, I mean, it's based in London and that's one of my favorite cities in the world. Been there right. several times. We studied abroad there together. So it has a soft spot in our heart for sure. it. But, um, so let's keep it in the Netflix wheelhouse and talk about something that I really enjoyed. Yeah. I, th- I believe our first show of this kind to talk about or recommend, and that is David Chang's Ugly Delicious. Yeah. His Netflix series, um, David Original Chang, documentary. yeah, is as a very unique mind. He's a super successful entrepreneur. He's an originator. He makes, uh, you know, delectable chicken sandwiches. <laughs> he built the Mama Fuku food empire. Uh-huh. This, if you can't tell by the name of the series, is about food. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, there's a million food shows out there, and especially on Netflix, you know, Chef Table has been pretty successful and things, but. Ugly Delicious, I think, does things differently than your typical food show affair. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it's very kind of loose in its structure, and there's kind of a sense of, like, fun and playfulness that Definitely. I think a lot of food shows don't really have. Yeah. Um, it breaks from the mold of that traditional food TV sense. There's, like, random clips from pop culture. There's different mm-hmm. guests on. There's cool music that's used. It feels yeah. very kind of, like... Cartoon elements. 20, yeah. yeah, like, 2018. There's, like, things. animation. Yeah. Um, and each episode focuses on a different food, not necessarily cuisines, like, you know, so there's pizza, tacos, fried chicken, barbecue, fried rice. Um, I particularly love the the first episode, the pizza. I think uh-huh. that should be the first one <laughs> everyone watches. Not yeah. just because it takes place mainly in Brooklyn. Shout out to Lucali. Great, amazing pizza. Oh, nice. I just found it to be the most engage- engaging. I love the bit where Cheng, like, he's not above you know kind of like ordering dominoes food yeah like they talk <laughs> about dominoes a lot yeah. and it's fascinating to see like these some of the best chefs and well-known chefs like in the country like dissected and just consider dominoes you know just yeah, talk about yeah. it and he goes out for like deliveries with the dominoes guy like yeah. i don't know i just really enjoyed that bit and uh-huh. most of the show takes place in u.s cities but it, it jumps around to different parts of the world tokyo hong kong beijing mexico parts you know copenhagen and europe mm-hmm. and um and yeah, like I, I think the themes, they're kind of, you know, it's it's about like food culture and history, kind of how the perception of certain food has evolved over time. Right. Chang is, uh, he's like and a where pioneer. It's going. 
Yeah, like of reimagining traditional food in totally new ways, and yeah. that's explored a lot. And you know, this may kind of sound pretentious, but it's not in the way it's handled. It's it's right. very fun and light. Obviously, it's a show that's going to make you starving just watching it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tons and tons of shots of all this food and them enjoying uh-huh. it and the close ups and. Yeah, like, I, I don't know, I just really enjoyed this as someone, like, I think we both enjoy a really good, like, food-centric uh, doc or show or, yeah. you know... Uh, definitely. Game show. So, yeah, I, I definitely recommend Ugly Delicious. Did you, yeah, did me you too. watch much of it? I did. I, I think I've seen five of the episodes. Um, the other ones you didn't mention were uh, Home Cooking, which was a really good one, I thought, uh, Shrimp and Crawfish, and yeah. Stuffed, which I don't... I haven't watched that. What's the last episode? But the home cooking one, I'll focus on a little bit. Um, he just goes around. Well, he it's it's Thanksgiving time, and he goes back home to Vienna, Virginia. Shout out! Uh, he's a Virginia boy, and he went to Georgetown Prep for high school. David Chang. Um, but he goes back home and cooks his you know traditional Korean dishes with his mother and and his buddy Peter Meehan, who's a another big focus of this show. Um, and he's a, he's a writer, he's written cookbooks and, you know, sort of like how to cooking books, yeah. um, has worked with David Chang for a yeah, while. They, he kind of like helped break him in a way. Right, right. Just with some of his, um, his, uh, reviews of his, uh, first restaurant in New York city. And they also, uh, collaborate on this, um, magazine, which I wanted to mention called Lucky Peach. And I think they mention it a few times in in the show, but I've I've bought a few um, issues, articles, or whatever they're called, issues of this magazine, and it's this really unique uh, food magazine, and it's very. This ugly, delicious show is basically the magazine televised. Um, it it has weird sort of animation things in it. It's very eclectic, and it focuses like I bought the chicken uh, issue and some others. There's an LA issue, um, so I bought that one. You gotta go to Major Natalie. Domo, by the way. Yeah, Major Domo LA. just opened in LA. Yeah, yeah uh, there's. I think they he has he has like four restaurants in New York City, and then we yeah. actually shared a meal together in. The Momofuku CCDC in Washington, D.C. after a Nationals game. Uh, the, he opened one in the Cosmopolitan Hotel in Las Vegas. Uh, he's got a restaurant in Sydney and Toronto. But yeah, um, the show the show itself, I, I think, is very... Uh, it's a fun watch. You know, it's it, you'll learn a lot. You'll see a lot of great food. Um, he features a lot of um, celebrities, like known faces, yeah. like uh, David Simons in a couple episodes, Alan Aziz. Yang. Yeah, Aziz Ansari, Jimmy Kimmel pops up. And then also um, some huge names in the, the chef food world, like Rene Redzepi, who's the, the chef at Noma, which is considered one of the best restaurants in the world. I think yeah, has won Copenhagen. best... Yeah, it has won Best Restaurant in the World three times. Uh, Massimo Batura, uh, Sean Brock, Wolfgang Puck, just to name a few. Uh, you know, and that home cooking episode, getting back to that, they he, he asked a lot of chefs to sort of share their stories of how they they do traditional holiday recipes and, you know, what cooking at home means to them. And it's just, you know, it has a lot of heart and and David Chang opens up at times and gets a little emotional and, and it's cool to see. He's this interesting sort of compelling uh, figure. As you mentioned, he's highly successful and he's only 40 years old and he has 10 restaurants, I believe. Um, yeah, so yeah. it's just interesting to see him 
reflect on his own food and his own experience in food and and ask people for advice and ask people for their opinions and then just open it up for them to talk about stuff. So it's yeah. a really well-made documentary and has a lot of a lot going on, you know. Um it it's mm-hmm. it's hard to sort of uh compare it to anything cuz it's pretty unique. Um so yeah, I think a lot of people if you're into food and you're into traveling um and trying new things and and traditional things done well, um I think I think people should definitely check this show out. Yeah, watch it with a meal in front of you. That's the last thing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> don't eat it, don't watch it hungry like yeah, going yeah. to the grocery store. Right, right. So our next topic i just wanted to hit on is a book first ever book what? on the pod yeah, <laughs> yeah hey hey by the way we, hey we also we read, read books <laughs> we, we we are both like barely avid readers and we read books so i wanted to i, I don't know if avid would describe me well recently, yeah i'm not but yeah, I, I yeah at times in my life i'm very avid <laughs> right i'm always reading something sometimes right. it takes me a little bit longer you know but i i was actually both, saying yeah. Well, Natalie and I were saying to each other last night, we're we're a little bit like over entertained right now. I was like, I think we need to we need to kick it back up in the book world and uh, start yeah, reading yeah. again. We've just no, been man. watching too much yeah, stuff. Yeah, the physical paper. Yeah, reading right. is, is great. I just recommend reading. It's it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So the book Shout I wanted to, to talk about is called Dreaming the Beatles. It is about the Beatles, and it came out last year, I believe. It's by Rob Sheffield, who's kind of the main pop critic at Rolling Stone. He's written several other music books. I believe he has one coming out soon about David Bowie. Very well known in like pop critic circles. And this is a very intimate, personal look at the Beatles' career. So it goes chronologically through kind of their most important albums and then has in-between chapters on each of the Beatles at different angles. And you're probably thinking like, oh, cool, another Beatles book. Like, what, how original? Right. How el- What else can be learned What about else can we learn? The most right. fa- you know, I mean, the Beatles are, you know, it's on Peerless. Yeah. Well, They've been written about. I grew up on the Beatles. Me and too, me too. I gotta say, I learned a ton about, you know, how these albums were made, new insights into their legacy, the chemistry between the four of them, uh, nice. the fandom, the subtext of certain songs, the, the kind of their unique paths that they took after they broke up. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I just started taking notes on my phone of new things I was learning about them. Because like, oh, nice. I'm just, I'm learning a ton right here. And yeah, that's a sign of a good nonfiction book. Yeah, and the book has you a very... You want to retain it all. Yeah, sub, it has like a subject, uh, subjective feel to it. It's written from the perspective of a diehard fan. So there will be times where you kind of disagree with what you're reading. At the same <laughs> Sorry, time... Sorry, the way that came out, you were like, it, written from the perspective of a diehard fan. I was like, Bruce Willis? Right. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah, diehard. Sorry. I mean, I do love diehard. Right. Come out to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. So you'll kind of disagree, you know, like, oh, I don't know if I agree with this. Mm-hmm. And he kind of wears his emotions on his sleeve, um, you know, the same way you would argue with someone who has different music tastes in that sense. Sure. But it's a really addictive read for any Beatles fan. It nice. never felt like a chore, like always look forward to reading it. It's it's a very conversational style, the way it's written in. It's fairly short, too. You can like breeze through it. It's like 330 pages. Nice. Um and just, I, yeah, a pure joy to read. So I, I really wanted to quickly shout out Dreaming the Beatles uh, by Rob Sheffield. Um, if you have any interest in the Beatles, this is one of the best things I've read about them. So awesome. check it out. Yeah, I think I'm going to, based on that review, I think I'm going to have to check that out. And that that yeah. uh, 
sort of gives us a little bit of cover. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It should. That gives us a little bit of music in this episode, but I think that is all for for the yeah, music. Yeah, we're sealing the lid on music, but we'll, yeah, we'll <laughs> right. We'll do our five hundred favorite songs of all time. Well, at least at least we mentioned the the greatest band of all time, so that's something. Exactly. All right, yeah. so why don't we move into the the world of movies a little bit? We did mm-hmm. TV and a tiny bit of music, so. Um, movies i wanted to mention these two trailers uh are two horror movies coming out in the next couple months actually one the first one is a quiet place comes out on april 6th mm. and the second is hereditary which comes out on june 8th so a quiet place is i'm sure pe- most people have seen this trailer by now it's been you know has a big run on tv at the moment um this is a Paramount Pictures release and comes out April 6th. It's only 90 minutes, and I've heard it's very, you know, quick and, and tight. I dig that. I dig yeah, that one time. I love it. I love an in-and-out <laughs> 90-minute, you know, yeah, yeah. do your thing, get out of there. Um, it's directed by John Krasinski, who uh, stars mm. alongside okay. his real-life wife, Emily Blunt. And, yeah, John Krasinski, uh, you know, made famous for his role as Jim Halpert on The Office, but he's had a really really solid acting career since the office and been in some huge movies over the past few years. And he's dabbling in the directing game. Uh, I think this is his second or third uh, directing performance. Um, And this, this opened up actually at South by Southwest. It had its, uh, it was in the opening night premiere at the film uh, portion of South by Southwest this year. And it's currently at a hundred percent fresh after thirty-one reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh, so that's a good did sign. Not know that. Yeah, it's at a hundred percent, and you know that that oh, says a lot for a horror I'm movie. I'm aroused. I'm aroused. <laughs> I know, I know. And you know, I I love Emily Blunt. Um, they're a great couple. They're very funny. They do some funny bits with like Jimmy Kimmel on Jimmy Kimmel Live. Um, I think they're next door neighbors. Uh, that's why they're good friends. But um, yeah, so. The tagline to this movie is "If they hear you, they hunt you." It's uh, <laughs> based on the trailer. It's sort of set in. That's the... what I tell people when I meet. <laughs> yeah, them, yeah. When I'm networking, <laughs> I believe you. Um, it's uh, based on the uh, trailer. It's it's set in this post-apocalyptic world where these things are hunting you, and you can't make any noise. And if you do, they'll they'll come find you and kill you. Uh, so it seems like a really interesting. Um, you know, yeah, long stretches of like concept. Literally, I heard, I saw some tweets from the South by premiere uh-huh. where there's just these really long stretches of zero dialogue or sound yeah. at all for like and 10 I imagine, minutes. Yeah, like that's kind of a jarring movie mm. theater experience, just being mm-hmm. this dark room with strangers in pure silence. I know it's going to be you're watching something on screen. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be a really unique and uh, definitely a movie you want to see in the theater to experience and. And kind of get that full effect of it. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to put any more stress on my family. <laughs> so moving on to Hereditary. This trailer, have you watched this trailer yeah, yet, Ben? I, ha- I have. Were you crying? Right. <laughs> because I, 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 I slept had, with a nightlight on. I had literal tears in my eyes both times i watched this trailer um this movie comes out june 8th it's one of the most haunting scary trailers i've ever seen in my life um i am not really sure what this movie is about um 
the yeah. basically it's a this sinister kind of storyline yeah like there's some sort of inheritance being passed down from generation to generation within this family and and they're sort of haunted by it um that's basically all i know i mean obviously the title is hereditary um but this movie debuted at Sundance in January. It's also currently at a hundred percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. I think after twenty four reviews. So that's these are two horror movies coming out that are both getting amazing reaction and reviews from critics. So definitely, you know, probably worth checking out both if you're into that genre at all. Yeah. Um, it's written and directed by a first time director, Ari Aster. Um, maybe not first time director actually. I think he's done some smaller movies, but uh, this this is probably his big um, you know debut and in, into the popular culture, and uh, it looks great. I mean, it's starring Tony Collette, who you know was made famous for her role as the mom in The Sixth Sense, um, mm. and Dowd, who was big in The Leftovers, uh, other stuff. She's been in a lot of TV shows recently as character actor. Um. Yeah, I just think this it's um, being distributed by A24, um, which is currently... Yeah, they always do great stuff. Yeah, it's it's got to be one of my favorite movie studios these days. Um, in recent years, I just wanted to mention a few of these titles. In recent years, like within the past four years, they've put out Lady Bird, The Disaster Artist, Good Time, A Ghost Story, Moonlight, The Witch, Room, Ex Machina, uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, The Lobster... Just, I mean, the list goes on and on. It's, it's honestly like a large percentage of the best movies of the past five years, in my opinion. So mm-hmm. this studio is just really exciting, and I definitely pay attention to anything that they put out. Yeah. Uh, they have great taste. So yeah, yeah. this is. Um, is <laughs> I wanted out. to mention real quick. I, I just had this last quote. Um, Sean Finnessy, one of our favorite critics yeah. and and writer for The Ringer, he saw this movie at South by Southwest, and he he said. After seeing Hereditary, I was not well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was a great quote. I heard that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The buzz is out. This will be the scariest movie of the year. And I, I hope it's a big summer hit. It's been so long since we've had like a summer horror movie phenomenon. Yeah. But it would be awesome if this kind of just transcended not just like, you know, the city, you know, circles of people love going to movies, but becomes like a big like nationwide hit and yeah i am i'm bracing myself for, for seeing this <laughs> i know well similar to get out last year i mean that was a horror basic essentially yeah, a horror that didn't movie like that... terrorize you the way i anticipate right. that her- hereditary is going to like make your bones chill or something <laughs> yeah so. it seems like i mean like i said before i had tears in my eyes both both times yeah. and like like fear tears like chilling fear tears. tears not not sadness tears so yeah uh i think this is gonna be a big hit this summer and who knows i mean it's a it's a wild wild world right now in movies and this who knows this could be nominated for best picture next year who will spicy spicy (laughs) yeah um all right so let's talk about a few other movies that we've caught up on uh annihilation Which mm. we both saw. This came out back in February, so this yeah. isn't like fresh. Over on a month ago minds. now. Yeah, at any this is this is kind of old, but do want to hit on it. Based off a popular book that director Alex Garland apparently changed a lot of, but the book was yeah. from. It's by James Vandermeer, who did this Southern mm-hmm. Reach trilogy, and it's the book of the same name. The plot is a biologist played by Natalie Portman signs up for this 
secret expedition, very dangerous into this mysterious zone where the laws of nature do not apply. So mm. directed by Alex Garland. The Shimmer. The Shimmer. <laughs> Shout out to The Shimmer. I do not want to be in The Shimmer. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Ex Machina, which I know we're big fans of, he directed that. Oh, yeah. um, he wrote 28 Days Later, The Beach, Sunshine, a lot of Danny Boyle collaborations. So mm-hmm. this was a difficult movie to market when it came out in February. It's like sci-fi horror, and I don't think... Many people, I think you're the only person I like know that doesn't live in New York that's seen this as well. Like, Uh and this movie is is flawed, but the third act is so thought provoking that I would recommend this to pretty much anyone, unless you just like can't take any kind of horror elements. Yeah, it has a few scenes. I'd be careful throwing the word horror out. It's almost like a yeah, it's more sci-fi than biological horror. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, and it's not, it does have one scene that is absolutely terrifying, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the mutant bear, yeah, I just, I'm yeah. just going to say mutant bear, With I'm not going to describe voice. the scene, but if you see it, yeah. mutant bear, watch out. So, in, there's also just a few other scenes that are just very unusual and, and original and, and different than anything you've kind of seen, and here's the thing about Annihilation, even though it has its flaws, <laughs> I'm not going to get into Spill it, it, but this was an instance where, as I was leaving the theater, everyone was talking about the ending. It was oh, like yeah. this kind of gaspy, like, what the hell was that? You know, yeah. like, and just theorizing and talking about it and having reactions to it. And like, that doesn't happen that much anymore. And that had a lasting impression on yeah. me, just kind of the reaction as people were walking out of the theater. Totally. And me I remember too. walking home in the rain after this movie and kind Sounds of perfect. looking at nature and the world just differently i was also looking at my hands to make sure they weren't <laughs> yeah moving right <laughs> you, you yeah. understand that when you when you, Did say, you look like at you your, know your irises when you got home in the right mirror. yeah double check my irises but i think just for those elements alone it's 100 percent worth seeing what did you, what's your kind of quick take on this on annihilation yeah i found it to be captivating and and very fascinating i was i was sort of enthralled by it from the very beginning i i thought it was um you know oscar isaac at the very beginning was really haunting um another one of the leads in the movie um some other great performances by jennifer jason lee uh gina rodriguez tessa thompson um and i just it was almost disorienting in obviously disorienting in the subject matter and and the world of the shimmer, you know, it's this alien impact uh, at the very beginning of the movie. We see this uh, either asteroid or some sort of uh, comet hit the earth. And I guess it has to be an asteroid. Um, It hits the earth on this lighthouse and, and creates the shimmer and it's this ever expanding bubble of, of like a biosphere that's, uh, changing the natural laws of nature on earth and creating these like hybrid animals and hybrid plants. And I was just really struck by the, the filmmaking and, and the storytelling elements were really disorienting. Like when they first go into the shimmer, they, they like lose track of time and all of a sudden they like, wake I lost up. track of time when I saw no, it. I was like, what night? <laughs> I know exactly. And that's what I mean. Like they, it really, it did a great job of like, you felt like you experienced part of what yeah. they were experiencing just by the the storytelling techniques and it was really um 
really interesting in that way. And I found it to be really highly entertaining. And I was, I was really like staring at the screen the whole time, just really focused on it and loved it. Um, and the ending definitely, you know, is up for debate and some, I heard mixed things about it. Like some people were aggressively hating on it and some people were like, I loved it. You know, it's like my Mm -hmm. favorite thing I've ever seen. And they were talking about like what it meant and, you know, talking about maybe it was like a, a portrayal of uh, mistreating yourself and how how you cope with your feelings and emotions and things like that and a reflection of, of your personal self and things like that. It'll make more sense if you've seen it. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I loved it. I, I, I've recommended it to a lot of my friends and people I've talked to recently. And it's, I th- believe, still in theaters. It's not yeah, probably yeah, yeah. doing great numbers at this point, but it's a really... <sighs> It's been well received by critics and audiences, which uh, is becoming more rare these days. And I think it's definitely worth seeing. And it's it's a really good theater experience. If you can get out and see it in the next few weeks while it's still in theaters, it's worth it. Um, And I think I think you'll be able to take some enjoyment from it for sure. So we have about two to three more topics we want to quickly hit on. Um, Yeah, Rob, there were some some movie, some other additional movies that you you wanted to bring up. Yeah, I can do these pretty quickly. Um, so also about a month ago, um, this movie called Game Night came out and uh, I saw it in the theater and it's just a fun one. Like, I don't have much to say about it, but it stars Jason Bateman, Rachel McAdams, Kyle Chandler and Jesse Plemons, uh, Lamorne Morris from New Girl. People would recognize him from that, uh, among others, some some great performances in there. Um, it's just a, a fun comedy. It's kind of goofy and far-fetched and, you know, it's this action comedy uh, thriller and I just had a fun time in it and I thought Jesse Plemons' performance was remarkably funny. Like every, almost every moment and, and scene that he had, I was LOLing. Like he just, everything he did made me chuckle out loud and I just, he's just, yeah. you know further proving that he's one of the great character actors working right now. It seemed like um, it had a pretty, yeah, pretty great cast, original concept. Yeah. You've also been known to enjoy a game or two. Oh yeah. I love a game <laughs> night. It, it's yeah, yeah. yeah. If you have ever had a game night with a group of friends, <laughs> if you're a board game head or card game or whatever, go see this movie you'll you'll pick up on some of the you know like traditions that people groups of friends have and just the fun ways that they interact through game night and stuff it's it's fun i mean it's goofy it's uh you know an action shoot 'em up like weird sort of uh dynamic mixed in with this comedy but um I wanted to mention Rachel McAdams quoting Pulp Fiction. The uh, the diner robbery scene was one of my favorite moments. Uh, you'll you'll notice it when you see it. But yeah, it's it's worth seeing. It's it's fun, especially if you have Movie Pass, which we'll get to later in just a minute. Ooh. But uh, that's that's kind of why I saw it because it's like, well, why not? You know. Um, yeah. It but it's a good rental worth watching at home with a group of friends. Um, it's a fun one, and and then so that was game night, and then. Game Over Man is another one I wanted to do Game just a over minute. Man. Game I know, Over that, Man. That, that's what it's referencing, right? <laughs> it's oh yeah. I mean, I assume it's it's this is a movie named after a Bill Paxton quote in Aliens. So <laughs> enough said. Game Over Man. It's Game Over. It came out. It's a Netflix original. Uh, came out on March twenty third. 
and it stars Adam Devine, Blake Anderson, and Anders Holmes, or Ander, Anders Holm, who, uh, this is the comedy trio made famous by uh, their Comedy Central series, Workaholics, and this movie is written by Anders Holm, one of those three, and or Durs, as you know him from Workaholics, and it's directed by their friend uh, Kyle Newichek, who's, uh, you know, kind of a TV director. He's done some episodes of Workaholics and some other comedy shows. Um, but this is just an action comedy. It definitely draw drew a lot from uh, Die Hard. It's kind of the same premise as that movie, except a lot dumber. Yeah, um, I can imagine. It has some great cameo pop-ups that I won't spoil, but, uh, you know, some recognizable faces pop up. And uh, Anders Holm, I, I loved in this movie. He's like, he's always uh, smoking salvia, which I don't know if you're familiar with that uh, drug, but it like makes you yeah, like freak out for like five minutes and just right, be like yeah. completely incoherent. And uh, it's, it, you know, makes for some funny moments. And he's, yeah. he's one of these guys that's like constantly smoking a vape in like the worst moments. And he just yeah. carries around this vape and all these uh, scenes is very funny. Um, and Adam Devine is, is an amazing comedic actor. He just creates uh, a lot of like, laugh out loud moments with his natural sort of energy and uh it's it's kind of a goofy almost i mean you could say it's a bad movie but it's it it definitely if you're trying to you know kill 90 minutes and get a few laughs it's it's worth checking out on netflix i would say nice so let's wrap things up with a subscription recommendation yeah obviously just tied mentioned. to movies but <laughs> movie pass this thing is pure magic, and it feels <laughs> like I'm stealing money every time I use it. I know. Uh, so MoviePass, I think most people listening are familiar with it. Um, yeah. If you've big... talked to me in the past three months, you know about MoviePass. Yeah, I lead conversations like, do you have MoviePass? Yeah. It had a big PR splash last year when it was announced that they were bringing their monthly subscription down to a mere $9.99. That's yeah. nearly $10 a month. Well, and sometimes crashed. you can get it for six ninety nine a month. Well, I think they've actually brought it down to seven ninety five a month as okay. of February. Yeah. I saw it's real cheap. <laughs> it is, yeah. If you are, yeah, it, it's a deal. <laughs> so I held off for several months. I kind of wanted to see how people would react. Like, is this yeah. too much of a gimmick? Like, how many theaters are going to participate in it? You were actually the person that nudged me to make the decision of like, I'm doing Movie Pass. So if you don't know <laughs> I should how be, it works, I should be paid by Movie you're Pass. A I've probably gotten ambassador. them like twelve subscriptions. <laughs> Absolutely, get on that referral program. So I know. if you don't know how this works, quickly you you sign up online. You basically enter. Just a few details, like billing and shipping details. You are physically mailed a MoviePass credit card. Like, it looks mm -hmm. like a, a MasterCard, essentially. It arrives yeah. in your mailbox within a few weeks. From there, there's a MoviePass app that you open up. You log in, and it shows you kind of what's playing that day and participating theaters. And in New York, at least, it's eligible with 90% of all movie theaters. Which yeah, is a huge it's, win it's all me. the big chains, AMC, yeah. Regal, you know, whatever. All the, and all yeah, just all these chains. other, like, more art house cinemas and yeah, just a lot of them here yeah. in brooklyn like it's applicable so um you open the app you see what's playing you figure out what you want to see and then you need to get within i think a hundred physical yards of that theater location and right and you kind of you check in you on check the app, in yeah hand the ticketer you know the the ticket person your movie pass card they swipe it and you're in there's no you're in it's free that's it. like it's, <laughs> yeah. yeah to normal it's free free movies um yeah. and it isn't for, I would say, 
big releases on opening weekend because you can't get tickets in advance, like in advance right. days per se. Unless you physically go and, and check in early. Yeah, if you want to go out of your way to, to do that. But it's yeah. rather for like playing catch up in, you know, movies that you... Like when you have this deal where it's like ten dollars for unlimited movies, right. like you're like, well, why not? Why don't I go see this? And that's exactly what I said about game night. It was like, well, I mean, I'd probably wait to rent this, but we can just go for free, and it's probably better in the theater. So why not? Yeah, and we like love being in movie theaters, small popcorn, being with strangers in the dark room, just the whole shared thing. experience. Like, you know, nerds about that stuff. So I, I think this is ultimately an awesome thing. I mean, obviously really benefits the consumer. It gives mm. people a huge incentive to go back into the theater, leave yeah. their couch, get off Netflix. And um, I'm not sure how they're making any money. I, I don't understand yeah, the I business model. Uh, yeah. There's been some <laughs> doubt whether it's going to last and, you know, some interesting yeah. I'm waiting for the uh, day articles the email, written about like, it. Your, your membership has been canceled. Like, it could I be know, any day now. It could be tomorrow. Like, uh, it didn't work out. By the out, time you're sorry. hearing this, like, when will the jig be up? Like, I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, there's some, there, there's some like, money laundering going. I don't know. Like, <laughs> right. It is awesome. But, hey, until that day, I'm, I'm getting in movies for free. Yeah, yeah. It's like if you're just seeing one per one movie per month with movie pass like you're yeah. saving money you're coming out ahead the oh, average yeah. movie ticket price in new york is like 13 14 bucks yeah this is you know 9.99 a month um and yeah like it's just perfect for the consumer i don't know i i right. i can't well, I, yeah i said so movies far. movies are free but it's it is you know a monthly cost but it it seems like it's free in the moment because you don't pay anything and i i imagine you know the concept is they're going to, you know, people are going to buy more concessions because they're not spending money that night for the ticket. And I don't know how that's working out. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's cool. While it lasts, I'm going to have it. I have the credit card in my wallet and I, Same. I will until they cancel it. And I wanted to, I'd rather lose they, my, I'd rather lose my actual credit card. <laughs> I know. I know. Pass. Right. Right. <laughs> not my movie pass. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Take my ID, my debit, my yeah, credit. <laughs> yeah. Um, um yeah. I wanted to mention they they reached over two million subscribers in February, yeah. and it was actually faster than Netflix reached two million subscribers wow. years ago. Um, so yeah, that's I mean it just shows it's really blowing up. That's over a the ten thousand word think piece waiting. I know, to I know. Happen. Um, right. And they've actually I wanted to mention they've gotten into like the distribution business, like they're kind of going beyond what this service like they were at sundance i believe they mm. bought the distribution rights to i, I forget the oh really the name, but they're they're looking oh, to expand their empire um last movie i saw with it everyone in front of me in line was was using movie pass like yeah, it was like know. you know i could see it spreading i know you almost this get is, like a roll rolling of the eyes of the ticket taker it's i know like, i almost oh, like another felt movie bad pass. in a way but i was like yeah. well you guys sign up for it i mean I don't, yeah you're the middleman i you know whatever i'm using movie pass. right so <laughs> i'm just a lowly consumer right huge massive recommendation from both of us yes. and um yeah it's it's if you haven't looked into it and you you see one movie a month uh no brainer get it do it and like it, it yeah. just baseline that so and full disclosure we're not getting we're not getting anything out of this plug we're just promoting it because uh, man, yeah that's no <laughs> yeah right we're we, just promoting yeah. it because we love sponsor. it and we think it's a a great uh service for movie consumers Absolutely. So let's wrap things up here. That was our culture catch up. Hope you guys enjoy. That's going to be it for this episode of Must Go Faster. Thanks so much as always for listening. We're back from our hiatus. So, uh, you know, uh, look to see a few more episodes coming out, you know, in the next few months. We won't, we won't take a five week break like we just did. Well, yeah, it's great to be back and always enjoy 
catching up with you and catching up on some culture and we'll be back probably in two weeks or so with some movies and uh hopefully some albums that we've been enjoying and yeah we will talk to you all very soon thanks for listening